2: Draymond Green Show is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to bet the action than on FanDuel Sportsbook during the football season. It's easy to use. It's safe and secure. You get payouts in as fast as two hours. There's so many bet types. My favorite same-game parlay bets. There's live betting, player props, futures. If you're new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. To get started now, sign up. Please use the promo code Colin. C-O-L-I-N. FanDuel Sportsbook makes it easy.
4: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Draymond Green Show. If you didn't catch it, uh, we recorded an emergency episode yesterday uh, to talk about the flagrant two ejection. I'd recommend going back and listening to that because I gave my full thoughts on it, uh, what I thought would happen or should happen. And yeah, I thought it was, you know, I think it's pretty good for you to check out. But now here we are one day later, same place, different time. But we're going to, we will talk about that again, but more importantly, uh, we'll go in depth on the Warriors and Grizzlies game one. And we'll also talk about the game one between Boston and Milwaukee and then I'll give you my thoughts uh, leading into the Suns Mavericks and Heat Sixers series and how I think those series will play out. We got some injuries uh, in both of those other series that really can sway the series one way or the other. We're dealing with injury ourselves um, with Andre Woodcock. Obviously, James Wiseman has been out all year. And then Stephen Adams, who's been in COVID protocol, who may possibly be back tomorrow. I'm not sure if he will or not, but... You know everybody's been dealing with it, um, and you know that's a part of it. But we'll talk about all of that. Uh, number one, let's get right into it. NBA does not rescind the flavor two; they don't downgrade it. No surprise there. Um, I said yesterday, if you're looking for an idiot, look no further than Draymond Green. That statement rings true again. As I said yesterday, I'm looking forward to them rescinding it. Um, And they didn't didn't have a good explanation. Uh, You know, they never have a good explanation. Sometimes they don't even give an explanation. So uh, the explanation to me wasn't good. They didn't really want to explain it to me. They told Bob to tell me. Um, So, you know, when I look back on my suspension from Game 5 of the NBA Finals, so the way this works for those who don't understand is in the playoffs, whether you, which is ridiculous by the way, but in the playoffs, whether you are in the first round and lose, or you go to the NBA finals, you get the same amount of text, you get the same amount of flagrant file points, you get the same amount of everything. It's one of those old outdated um, rules that doesn't make any sense, and no one takes the time to change them because why? And the reality is, is that one, I, I, I'd love for someone to explain to me how s- someone could lose in game or in round one and s- another team can go on a possible three more rounds and they still have the same number of texts they're allowed to get or the same number of flagrant file points. But how it does work is you get seven technical files before a suspension, in the playoffs. That's the entire playoffs. That's not per series. And you get four flagrant foul points. Now, how do flagrant foul points work for those that don't understand? Is if you get a flagrant one, that is one point. If you get a flagrant two, that is two points. If you get four, four points total, you get a one game suspension, which is how I got suspended from game five. I have four points total. And I was suspended for a game. I also received a foul after the fact. My flagrant foul was given to me after the fact. And I tried to hit him and missed when LeBron stepped over me. I received a foul. Funny thing is, you know, the funny thing about it to me is
3: three of my flagrant foul points that I received to to eventually end up missing
4: game five The NBA went back and reviewed them. They went back to the tape
3: after the game, reviewed it, and upgraded me to flagrant fouls. Upgraded. They don't quite go back and upgrade anyone else to flagrant fouls. Um, That's not
4: really a theme. Uh, You know, we've seen plays this playoffs that could have possibly been upgraded, upgraded to flagrant fouls. You may have seen me say in the Denver series when Bones Highland need Otto Porter. I got suspended from
3: a game for that. They added a rule after I was suspended that year for knees to the groin and a flagrant one. As you see, Otto Porter did not receive a flagrant one. And that rule is essentially
4: the Draymond Green rule. So they may as well add this one too and say no one else gets upgraded and that is the Draymond rule. And that's fine. Like I, Again, it's a badge of honor. I don't, I don't run from it. It is what it is. Um, your thoughts are your thoughts. I really don't care. They asked me today, they said, are you going to, you know, now that you have two regular File points, are you going to tone down the bite? No, no. I'm going to be me. Because if, if I toned down who I am, A, you probably never n- would have known who I am. B, I wouldn't have had the success that I've had. And C, and most importantly, I, even if I made it to the NBA, I wouldn't still be sitting here today. So why would I tone that down? Why would I stop being me? I can be me better than I can be anyone else in this world. And I can also be me better than anyone else can be So if I do that best, why do anything else? That does not make sense to me. I don't understand when people do a job or do a thing and they say, oh, I need to do it this way. That's not organic to you. And if it's not organic to you, you can only take that so far. Like,
3: you can only act for so long. You can only be someone else for so long. And even being
4: somebody else, is that even fun? I don't know. I I I. I can't give you an answer to that because I'm only me. I'm only going to be me, good, bad, or indifferent, like it or not. I'm just going to be me. And that's worked for me way better than me trying to be somebody else. I remember coming into the NBA my rookie year and I was playing the three position and I was kind of just spotting up and shooting. I'm like, I'm not a spot up shooter. I can make a shot, but I'm not a spot up shooter. And at that moment, after my rookie year, I said, listen, I just got to do this my way. And if I fail doing it my way, I can go home and say, I I gave it everything that I had. And because I gave it everything that I had, I can live with the result. But if I go out like I played this
3: year, my rookie year, trying to still play this type of basketball and and I don't make it, I'm not going to be able to
4: live with myself because I didn't do me. And at that point, I told myself, no matter what the situation is, I'm gonna always be true, stay true to who I am and be me. You see like guys go into media after plan, and all of a sudden turn into cowards, like, and, and rats. It's supposed to be tough guys and turn into rats. Like, I can't be that guy. It's, it just won't work for me. It's, I don't care the amount of money you offer. I don't care the amount of um, appearances you offer. I just, I can't be that guy. I have to be me, which was one of the reasons I ended up signing with Turner because they allow me to be me. They want me to be me. And that's the only way I can do the job is if I'm allowed to be Draymond Green. And so in saying that for me to, oh, I'm gonna tone it back, like tone what back? I didn't think that was a flagrant two, sir. There's not much to tone back there. So, again, if I'm supposed to take an even softer foul in the middle of the playoffs, then I'll probably just end up suspended. And no, do I want to end up suspended from a game? No, but I'm also not trying to give up an and one because those points matter. One point, one point game last night. Everybody always look at
3: basketball and say, man, did you see John ja Morant miss the layup? That's when they lost the game. They didn't lose
4: the game on that layup. One point is one point, whether it's scored then or it's scored in the first quarter. That one point still matters to the end, end tally of the game, the ending total, the final score. That one point matters. Everybody gets it all misconstrued and say, oh, man, such and such made this play down the stretch, and that's why they lost.
3: That play may have changed something in that instant, but you better believe there was a play in the second quarter that that played
4: a role in that team losing, and this is not just the Memphis Grizzlies, this is basketball or sports as a whole, that plays a role in it as well. A play in the second quarter may have totally changed the momentum, and that one swing could have cost you the game. And when you learn to watch film like that, when you learn to watch sports like that, in particular, I'm speaking of basketball, now you learn how to watch like a coach. Now you learn how to watch like someone who can really throw thoroughly evaluate a game and so for me i'm not trying to give up an and one and if i need to take a foul softer than i did and try to hold a guy out from from falling to the floor then i'm sorry but i don't i don't know what to tell you what i would ask for is you know there's this seems to be a common thing excessive what's excessive like damian Lillard tweeted what actually is excessive Because. We're all human beings, and my definition of excessive and your definition of exces- excessive is to make be two totally different things. And if they are two totally different things, which most likely they are, because we're two totally different people, with two totally different feelings, two totally different views on things. And so if your view, which it probably is of something excessive, is different than my view, then it just becomes,
3: oh, well. I think that was excessive. And so now it's it's just based on a person's
4: opinion. You know, when you look at the replay system, um, the fans, well, before I talk about the replay system, and we'll roll into that, the fans start chanting,
3: throw him out, throw him out. Like I said yesterday, officials are human beings. So they want... They, they, they want to
4: feel gratification from people as well because they are human beings. They're not robots. They're actual people who like actually go home to their family, to their kids, to their significant others. Those are real people with real feelings. If I hear a crowd going crazy saying, throw him out, I don't want to be booed. I don't mind being booed, but Most people mind being booed. I actually love the booze. I'm looking forward to tomorrow because I know I'm going to get a bunch of them. That's going to be fantastic. Um, I really feed off the booze. I love the booze. But most people don't. Most people hate being booed because most people thrive off of gratification and not self-gratification. They thrive off of other people pumping them up, other people cheering for them. Most people thrive off of that. and so. Because of that, you you review these plays in Secaucus, New Jersey, the NBA replay center. Why doesn't the decision come from there? Someone who's not in the emotion of a game, someone who's watching the play and saying, I thought this happened. I am not the ones that got to get booed by the crowd if I make this call, blah, blah, blah. Why doesn't the decision come from there? Because the decision coming from someone who I could have just said something to and pissed off about a call, and now they need to make a decision like that. Again, you can't tell me that the human element does not play a role in that. I am a human being too. I know how things can sway me one way or the other. And so why isn't the emotions of the game taken out? Do you think an official comes in the game and does not have emotion? Oh, of course. Of course they have emotion the way to take the emotions out of a game is that call comes from caucus. Someone who's not in, let, let alone in a building or, or on the court, someone who's not even in the same city, let alone state. There's no city, uh, NBA team in New Jersey anymore. Not even in the same state. That's one way of guys really appreciating the integrity of the game. That's one way of, totally removing the emotion that a referee may feel during a particular game. And so, you know, um, it is what it is. They're not going to reduce it. Can I say I'm surprised? Of course not. This is me you're talking about. And like I said, I wear that badge of honor. So whatever. Moving on to the actual game, which I thought was a very good game. Um, I thought, In the first quarter and starting the game, we did okay with our game plan, but not great. We didn't take the offensive rebounds away. They got plenty second chance opportunities, and that gave them momentum. They really feed off that. They get guys going off of that. And so to start the game, I thought we needed to play a little tougher and we need to rebound better. As the game went on, especially as we got into that second quarter and got our foot in it, And, you know, started to figure it out. We really started to rebound the ball better. And as you can see, I think Jordan Poole ended with nine rebounds, eight or nine rebounds. That's big time. Jonathan Kaminga come off the bench in in limited minutes, six rebounds. That's big time. You know, and the list goes on and
3: on. But that team, our, our coaching staff told us, they said the game
4: starts when we shoot the ball and when they shoot the ball. And pretty much what they were saying is just like, when, when we shoot the ball, they're, they're, they're coming. I mean, you got job Morant, who's probably the fastest guy in the NBA. They're looking for him, he's getting the ball, and he's coming full speed. And everybody else is running with him and also trailing him for three. So when you say the game starts when they shoot or we shoot, that's how it starts when they shoot, uh, when we shoot. When they shoot, it starts because they crash the offensive rebound. Like, not many teams that I've seen in the NBA and that's a huge part of their offense, generating chance points. So I feel like in going into the game, it's hard to, to tell someone that and get you to understand it because you can't really simulate that. And so I once, you know, it took us about a quarter to figure out. And once we figured it out, I think we rebounded the ball really well because guys understood that it has it's a five-guy job. It's not a one-guy job. It's not a two-guy job. It's a five-man job. And everyone has to come back in the rebound. I think we did a great job of that, which ultimately prepared us and, you know, allowed us to be in a position to win that game. And that was really huge for us. Uh, I thought Jordan Poole, uh, the way he came off the bench and played, especially with Klay with Thompson getting in foul trouble right away, uh, he looked just like Jordan Poole from games one, two, and three of the first series. Uh, he had a little bit of a struggle those last two games, which is – to be expected, if I'm not mistaken, the kid had played like 29 games, <laughs> 29 straight, very good games. Like at some point, you have to have a bad one. And, you know, he had he had a rough one in game four, better game in game five. He just didn't shoot as well, but he had a much better game in game five of the Denver series. And then yesterday, uh, he broke out again and had an incredible game, 31-9-8. and It's funny. I was saying in my press conference earlier today, Jordan has irrational confidence. Jordan, I don't have that confidence that Jordan has. Most people don't have that confidence that Jordan has. It's a little irrational. Like, why would Jordan Poole think, I'm on the floor with Steph Curry. I'm on the floor with Klay Thompson. I should have the ball. I should be taking these shots. It's very irrational. But you need guys like that. when you're gonna do great things, you need guys with irrational confidence. That's what makes them great. And so, you know, for Steph Curry to shoot the way Steph Curry shoots, you have to have irrational confidence to do that. For Klay Thompson to shoot the way he's supposed to shoot, you have to be a bit irrational. And Jordan Poole has irrational confidence. His show last night, I mean, he played like, yeah, I'm supposed to be in this moment and I'm supposed to play well. And it's like actually you're probably not supposed to be in this moment and you're not supposed to play that well. But because he has irrational confidence, and I say that with envy because I wish I had irrational confidence. Um, it's a beautiful thing. He goes right to that stage. He shows up like it's his stage. Like he belongs there. He delivers the game he had and 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 we come out with the win in spite of me getting ejected, in spite of uh, Clay Wiggins' and Steph combining for nine for 27 from a three, in spite of the block charge call, which could have went either way, in spite of the out-of-bounds call that was ended up being a jump ball, and we lost, and they scored two points off of it, in spite of all the things that went wrong for us, we still were able to come out with that win, and, and, and that says a lot, and Jordan Poole was a, a key point in that. I just mentioned Steph, Clay, and Wiggins combining uh, for nine, for 27, from three. Uh, that is a testament to a battle-tested team. That is a testament to a team that knows how to win a game, win games, because there was no way we should have won a game. I just don't believe we should have won a game, but we found a way, and that's the playoffs. It's not always going to be pretty. It's not always, um, always going to be... Steph Curry going for, uh, having a Curry flurry, as people call him, and going for 40. Or Clay Thompson scoring 37 points. in a, it, it won't always be that way. Sometimes you have to win them ugly. But when you win them ugly, especially in a game one, there's no better way of winning. And so I thought that was a great thing. Uh, I don't expect those guys to shoot the way they did. And the thing is, it's like there were quite a few open ones. And they just didn't go down. So, you know, if if we can get those same shots. I
2: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City.
0: And even... Checkout's not
5: until 4, so...
0: Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply.
4: Love it. Uh, Overall, I was very proud of my guys um, and stepping up. You know, we spoke about it before they left the locker room, like, hey, man, go deliver a gut punch. Go out there and take the game. And we went out there and took it. And it was, it was a beautiful thing to see. And I think that sets us up well for this series. Because we didn't play great. You know, so if we come back in game two and we play great, I think if we play great, we win. I always felt that way. If we play great and another team play great, I think we win. It's not necessarily the truth, but that's what I feel and I believe. So you know, hopefully we're you know, I don't think we've played very well since game three, not even really since game two. And so I think, you know, I think one of those games are brewing and I'm hoping so it can come at a great time if it comes tomorrow. Celtics and Bucks. I actually had to go back and watch that game. As you know, uh, I was getting ready so as the game was starting. It was my bus time and then preparation for our game, so I get, didn't have a chance to watch it. And I had to go back and watch that game. And what I took away from that game immediately, I mean, I could see it in the first four possessions of the game, is Milwaukee Milwaukee is, is actually a team that will give up three-point shots. Like, if you look at their stats during the regular season, Milwaukee will give up three-point shots. Their thing is to protect the paint. And that was on full display with seven exclamation marks last night. They were protecting the paint. They said Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum will not beat us. Grant Williams is going to have to beat us. Al is going to have to beat us. Marcus Smart is going to have to beat us. Robert Williams is going to have to beat us. Their defense on Jason Tatum looked a lot like Boston defense in the previous series on Kevin Durant, multiple bodies thrown at him, very physical and bumping. And as you can see, I think the Celtics scored 98 points and
5: 89, even worse.
4: I'm sorry. Oh, I flipped it around. 89 points. And I mean, that's a very, 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 you know, we, we all talk about. Boston's defense, but that is a very high-powered offense as well. And to score 89 points, that's some incredible defense. To, To also score 89 points while Giannis shoots a terrible percentage, while Drew shoots a terrible percentage, that means that when you're shooting terrible percentage like that, you get the rebound, you run. That creates transition opportunities. Their, def- their, their transition defense was stellar. I saw a couple of times where it looked like Jason Tatum would easily get a bucket and guys come flying around from everywhere and, and made it tough. Now, Milwaukee, my thing with that series is if I'm Milwaukee, I leave that game saying, what's the likelihood that Giannis is going to shoot nine for 25? What is the likelihood that Jason uh, that Drew Holiday is going to shoot five for 20.
5: uh, Eight eight for 20.
3: Eight for 20. What's the likelihood of that? Now, if I'm Milwaukee, that's what I'm thinking.
4: If I'm Boston, I think I I hang my hat on defense. Drew Holiday will shoot eight for 20 again. Giannis will shoot nine for 25 again.
3: And Jason Tatum won't shoot this poorly again. And James Brown won't shoot two for 15 again. And so
4: if you're both teams, you leave the game. I think if I'm I'm Milwaukee, I leave the
3: game feeling a little bit better. But if you're Boston, you still leave the game feeling semi-good.
4: But you also have to be realistic that in guarding great players, you're just not always going to shut them down. So at some point, Giannis, you're going to have a couple turnovers. Giannis is going to get dumps. That may get them going, right? And so that series, I think it's probably going to go six or seven. Uh, but, it, I mean, Milwaukee, to go still one on the road without Chris Middleton, you know, it's already been announced that Chris Middleton will be out this series. You go still one on the road, you got the opportunity, A, to go in and get greedy tomorrow. But to go home and just take care of home court advantage and win two games at home, I mean, that can really put you in a great position. So I love the position that Milwaukee is in. I think they're doing an incredible job. Uh, Well, they did an incredible job last night. And I don't expect that defense to change. That is is a championship ball club that know what it takes to win. And one thing that championship ball clubs do is, is they stick to their game plan. And like I said, that their game plan was evident. Grant Williams shoot shot 45% from three this year. Grant Williams had several threes uh, point attempts and no one was near him. Al Horford had several three-point attempts, no one was near him. I, I think within the first first four possessions that Boston had, it was two three-point attempts by Al Horford and a drive middle and a one-foot fall away by Al Horford. And if I'm Mike Budenholzer, if I'm Giannis, if I'm Drew Holiday, I'm saying kudos. This is exactly what we want. So we want Al Horford to beat us on offense. We know Jay Tatum can beat us on offense. We know Jalen Brown can beat us on offense. So but the Bucks executed their game well, their game plan well,
3: but that series, I can see that series going six or seven. Ultimately, I, I can't, I cannot.
4: I think Boston has a legitimate chance of winning the series. I think Boston is a very, very, very good ball club. But for me personally, I, I would be a little worried leaving that game if I am Boston just because of the way it played out. We'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll figure that out tomorrow. Predictions on the Suns' mass. This won't be a cakewalk for the Suns. I think, I mean, the Mavericks have a very good team. They're playing really well. And they have Luka Doncic. And anytime you have a player like that on the floor and he's on your squad, you always have a chance of winning the game. And so, you know, uh, D-Book is still coming back from a hamstring injury. I don't expect him to be 100%. He's probably more like 65, 70%. Dorian Finney-Smith is a ball hawk. Now, here's, a, here's something to watch. I want to, in, in doing the, the, this show, the Draymond Green show, one thing, or when I'm doing other, you know, TNT, or, I want to teach the game of basketball, and I want to teach people how to watch the game of basketball. And you have to learn how to, if you don't already, you have to learn the game within the game. And one game within the game is Reggie Bullock is an incredible, incredible wing defender. He's a very good
3: defender, has great length, uh, is a good athlete. But CP is Reggie Bullock's big homie. That's a game within the game. Because now you talk about your matchups if
4: you're Dallas, and which means Luka probably will guard Jay Crowder. Okay. So now you have Jalen Brunson who will probably guard Michael Bridges. Okay. Which means Dwight Powell, obviously on DeAndre Aiden, which means you have to figure out do you want to go Finney Smith on Book and Reggie on Chris Paul? or do you want to flip that? The logical answer would be to put Finney Smith on book because he's stronger. Book will take you to the post, Book get there, he bump you. That would be the logical answer. Reggie got length. He can fly around the perimeter with CP. That would be the logical answer. But then when you take the game, when you take the game within the game into consideration, you have to ask yourself, with their personal relationship and CP being his big homie, how does he really affect CP and his CP phased by him at all? Because that is a real thing. And so I'm interested in seeing how that matchup plays out. I think they'll start the logical way, but I'm
3: interested in seeing if there will need to be a change or not. In saying that, game one, I am taking the Phoenix Suns to win the game. Over the series,
4: it's a tough one because this Mavs team, I'm telling you, this Mavs team, It's not a pushover by any stretch of the imagination. And so I'm going to admit, this is a tough one for me to pick.
3: It's a pick I feel like it's a coin flip. Both teams are really good. Do I have to pick one? If I have to pick one? You have to pick one. I'm going to pick the underdog. I'm gonna go with the Mavs. No underdog has won a series
4: yet. At some point, an underdog has to win a series, right? I'm gonna go with the Mavs, but God, that's gonna be a tough series. I'm really only going with the Mavs because they're the underdog, by the way. Because that series, I mean, God, that's gonna be a really good series. I gotta go with the Mavs. I got, I, I just, I gotta roll with the underdog. you got to roll with the underdog. Some i go with the Mavs. And the reality is that there's pressure on the Suns. There's no pressure on the Mavs. They have zero pressure. If they lose, they're supposed to lose. The Suns are supposed to win. They've been the best team all year. And so you have to take that pressure into account as well. CP is not phased by pressure. Neither is D-Book. So I don't expect the pressure to break the Suns. But it is pressure. Pressure is pressure. And you got to deal with it. I guess I, I, I'm going to go with the Mavs.
3: And then you have Heat Sixers, a Joel Embiid list Sixers. If Joel Embiid is out, see, here's the thing people aren't talking about though: Kyle Lowry is
4: also out, and Jimmy Butler is nursing a knee injury, knee soreness. He,
5: he is listed as act as available to play tonight. Jimmy is. Jimmy is. Jimmy is. Kyle Lowry's but
4: out. We still, I guess, I was watching. Um, I was watching on the Miami Heat, I think, Instagram account yesterday. Jimmy was shooting corner threes. He had 12 out of 13. But he was gingerly pushing off and landing on that knee. And so that was something I'm like, ah, that, you know, that changes things. Not having Kyle Lowry, that changes things. Because what that does is it, it puts you back with Jimmy as the player that he was last year, which is more of a
3: facilitator. With Kyle Lowry, though, know, Kyle Lowry can get everyone else involved. But Jimmy, but, but Jimmy, I think Jimmy is much better playing
4: the way he plays right now, which is I'm going to get it. I can facilitate, so I'm still going to make the right play, but I'm going to get it. And with Kyle out, that moves Jimmy back
3: to that position, and that's something to watch. With uh, The Sixers do have Joel out. And they'll have DeAndre and Paul Reed and possibly George's Niang and I mean possibly Tobias. I don't
4: know. They'll have those guys battling with Bam out of Bayou. And that is tough. Especially, see, if it's Joel having to guard Bam on one end, at least Joel's beating him up on the other end and he's having to guard Joel and lose some his, you know, you battling with him, it, you know. It tires you out It wears the guy down. None of those guys, Bam, have to even worry about except boxing out. And so that right there is going to help Bam even more. Bam, already a great player. And now he doesn't have to deal with Joel Embiid. I got the heat in five. I'm taking the heat in five. That's my analysis on our game on the rest of the games going on in the NBA playoffs. Before we get out of here, we'd love to do some mailback questions. As you know, hashtag the Draymond Green Show on Twitter. Jackson will find great questions. He will bring them here, and we will talk to you. We'll answer your question and give you our thoughts. Jackson, you got some questions for me? I do. Let's
5: start with from Bradley Williams at B underscore rad 50 do you like having a short rest period between playoff series or a longer rest period? I think this question is interesting in terms of between games too. Like you only have one game off between games, one and two. but Then you have Wednesday, Thursday, Friday off between two and three. So do you like a longer rest period to let the body rest or a shorter period to sort of keep it, keep it rolling?
4: Honestly, as a guy who played in the playoffs since my rookie year, obviously missed the last two, but now You know, I got to keep my rhythm. I got to keep my conditioning, blah, 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 blah. Now I'm in the 10th year of my career, and you know how to keep your rhythm. You know how to keep your conditioning. And so, just from a mental aspect, I always tell people a a basketball game doesn't start when we walk on the court or even when we leave a hotel. A basketball game starts the moment you wake up on the day of the game. And really, the night before, the day before, you're like prepping and you're getting, things you need to feel good tomorrow. And so just the stress alone of a game day is is brutal. It's brutal. I always tell people, they say, I can play in the NBA. The first thing I'll say to them is absolutely nothing about their skill, how they match up against a guy. I'll tell a guy in a heartbeat, you couldn't handle the stress of a game day. Like, let alone actually going out there and playing in the game. The stress of a game day, and so I think for us at this point, I'm uh, in mean year ten, Clay's in year eleven, Steph's in year thirteen, Andre's in year seventeen. I think for us at this point, you appreciate the rest. Now, once you get in the game, it does. There's a
3: little adjustment period, but it's small, and so you appreciate the rest. Now, in saying that. Too much rest could be an issue.
4: Like, I was worried that if we swept Denver, we'd be off for nine days. That's a long time with no games. And you come and play a team that had a game of two nights before. That's a long time. But, you know, you're talking five, four to six
3: day break. We'll accept that with open arms anytime we can get it.
5: Next one. You sort of talked about this a little bit earlier, but I'm curious for a more uh, in depth answer. From Nick Charlton Perrin at LeBond James 007, what did you say to the team at halftime?
4: I told the guys at halftime, I said, go out and take this game. That'll be a gut punch. You know, uh, this is a game we're not supposed to win. Um, We're not playing our best basketball. We're not shooting well. Clay Thompson with three fouls. Gary Payton with three fouls. Steph Curry with three fouls. I'm ejected. Go out and take the game. Go take their punch. Throw punches back. And just go steal the game. Win the game however we need to win the game. It's not going to be pretty. Just go win the game. And guys, they, they did it. And it was beautiful to see. And there were so many things and people that contributed to that win. And I, like I said earlier, I think that puts us in a great position for this series.
5: All right, last one. A little bit of a lighter note from DJ Hella Yella at DJ Hella Yella. How do y'all decide who gets to control the music in team settings?
4: Uh James Wiseman actually is a very good like James Wiseman. He's all over the place, which is great. Like James Wiseman to give you some Lil baby and Gunner. James Wiseman to give you some NWA. James uh, James the kid loves music, which is why he you know he records his own music. Uh, he make beats. The kid loves music. And, I mean, he's all over the place. And I don't, like I said, I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, he can check so many boxes. Like, James will walk up to a guy like, hey, Dre, what you feeling today? You want to go here? You want to go there? And he will take you there. So James Wiseman does a really good job. Um, Ultimately, it's going to be controlled by the vets. Like, whoever the vets say, we don't want to hear that. We want to hear this. Or we don't want you on the aux. We want him on the Hawks, And that's what's going to happen. So ultimately, the vets decide. But James Wiseman does an incredible job. That's a wrap for this episode of the Draymond Green Show. Bradley, DJ Hella Yella, LeBron James 007. uh, That would be Nick Charlton Perrin. We appreciate the questions, as always. We appreciate your participation. We appreciate our subscribers and our listeners. We don't take that for granted. We love you. We hope to continue to bring you great to- great content. Until next time, from the Draymond Green Show, that's a wrap. Peace.